0: I want to read three passages of Scripture. The first one found in Romans chapter 11. The 11th chapter of Romans, where the Apostle Paul draws upon what we read this morning in 1 Kings. And the Apostle writes here in the first six verses, I say then hath God cast away his people? God forbid He'd been talking about the apostasy of Israel. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God hath not cast away his people which he foreknew. What ye not what the scripture saith of Elias? That's Elijah. How he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed thy prophets and dig down thine altars, and I am left alone, and they seek my life. But what saith the answer of God unto him? I have reserved to myself seven thousand men, who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. Even so then at this present time also there is a remnant according to the election of grace and if by grace then is it no more works otherwise grace is no more grace but if it be of works then is it no more grace otherwise work is no more work and i'd like to turn you over to second timothy and the first chapter of that great epistle, Second Timothy, in chapter 1, and reading verses 8 through 11. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Who hath saved us, and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. But is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death, and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. But the passage familiar to us all that I want to look at more particularly this morning is found in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. And verses 8 through 10. In Ephesians chapter 2, beginning at verse 8, For by grace are you saved, through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. John Newton, in his great hymn, speaks of grace as the sweet sound. The sweet sound of grace, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Why is it so sweet to those who are saved by God's wondrous grace? This grace is the reason for and the essence of the gospel. The gospel that reveals salvation in the person and through the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel that when heard in truth, in the heart of a sinner, conscious of being a sinner, who is brought to trust to and look to Jesus Christ in Him only, and trust Him for salvation, That gospel is the very good news of the grace of God to that needy sinner. The Apostle Paul termed it the gospel of the grace of God. And this gospel and what is revealed in it is the reason for the existence of this church and this ministry. This very same gospel that God gave And, of course, whenever what I preach by God's grace this morning would be turned from, diminished, or belittled, that church would be heading toward apostasy. It's, of course, a needful thing. The apostles defended the gospel. They never got involved in politics. They didn't get involved in present issues Their purpose was to declare the saving gospel of the Son of God. And wherever that gospel was altered to the detriment of the souls of men, there was strong warfare in them to defend it. Just as in Galatia, Paul has to write to them after he proclaimed to them the gospel of the grace of God. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ, unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Strong language from the apostle. So important that this gospel of God's wondrous grace be maintained. So, it is the purpose of this message to define and declare exactly what is meant when we speak of salvation by the grace of God. You see, almost all who claim to be preaching the gospel claim to believe that salvation is by grace. And yet, what is meant by grace, biblically, And the way grace comes is understood in various and far different ways by those who profess to believe that salvation is by grace. And it's for this reason that the qualifying term we make use of is the term sovereign grace. Admittedly, that's not a biblical term. But yet, I believe we are absolutely justified when we use that term concerning the salvation of God when that salvation is received and it's understood not only from experience but from what is consistently taught in Scripture concerning it. And so, we may also say... Though this term, sovereign grace, is not found in Scripture, we can add a pretty quick answer. Do you read the word Trinity in Scripture? No. Is the Trinity in the Scripture? (laughs) Yes. God, one God, one in essence, nature, power, and glory, one God, manifested in three persons father son and holy spirit so we use the term trinity rightly the triunity of the one god we speak of but the term trinity is not found in scripture and though the term sovereign grace is not found in scripture that divine grace is absolutely sovereign is clearly found in scripture for which we are fully justified in the use of the term sovereign grace. And what we mean by this in describing the grace of God in salvation is of utmost importance concerning the gospel itself and our understanding of it. There's also another term that's found in Scripture that describes this grace, that expresses the nature of it, That we also want to consider, and that's the term free grace. You see, uh, we read in Romans chapter 3 that we who are in Christ are justified freely by His grace. And So again, we use the term free grace. Sovereign and free. That's essential. our understanding of the gospel itself so how does god save sinners and it's god who must save sinners the sinner can't save himself the sinner can't add to anything or do anything or produce any work acceptable to god the sinner can do nothing to bring him or herself to god the sinner is dead in sin and trespasses, defiled, without any spiritual ability whatsoever to do anything to bring him or herself to God. So if sinners are to be saved, who must do the saving? Only God can save. And he does so by a wondrous sovereign and absolutely free grace. How sovereign. How free. So much so. That even the means by which we are brought into union with Christ. Faith. The faith that brings us to trust him only. The faith that brings us when made conscious of of being a sinner in the sight of God, knowing that we've transgressed against Him and His law, guilty and defiled, shown the cross of Christ and the Christ of the cross as our only hope. And we're brought to trust Him and trust Him only. That's a divine gift. That was not produced by us That did not arise from our fallen human nature. It came in a work that we term regeneration or the new birth. But we had no ability otherwise. And yet, if by God's grace, Christ you trust, Him you desire, Him you want, God, in His Word, teaches you that yes if you trust christ in truth you're saved but it was his doing to enable you to believe to give you the faith charles hodge translates you're saved by grace you're saved by faith and not by works and even Faith is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. We add nothing. We add absolutely nothing to God's salvation. Either by way of contributing something to our salvation, or in the least way, helping God. He needs no help. The grace of God, is not attainable by human effort. We will to come to Christ. No one is saved but those who come to Him willingly. We will to come to Christ. But that will did not derive itself from our nature, not our free will. That too was because of God's grace, who, as Paul writes in Philippians 2, worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Or as in Psalm 110, thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. You see, it's by God's will that we will. By God's grace that we come. So Paul is very clear in Romans nine sixteen. it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. And this by grace. And if by grace, no more works. As Paul writes in Romans eleven six. 6. Grace, grace is the absolutely free favor of God. Unmerited Unearned. We don't deserve it. Not in the least. And we can't produce works that draw it toward us. Grace. Unmerited. Unearned. What did we merit? We merited death. The wages of sin is death. We earned death, eternal separation from God in a horrible hell. That's what we learned, and that's what we earned by sin. But the gift of God, that's the gift of God's grace. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Again, to be sure, those who have received this grace. And are in this grace they both will they will to come to christ they will to serve god and they work then but always always as a result of this grace never because of it grace brings faith faith does not bring grace Think of Apollos, when he's going to help those in Corinth. The scripture says in Acts 18, 27, he would help those who believed through grace. The grace of God enabled that. You and I, by nature, are no more able to believe in the saving sense of the gospel of the Son of God than we could push A locomotive whose engine had stopped. We had no ability to do that. None. Salvation is not by the will of man. We will. We must come willingly. But it's always by the free grace of God. Not free will. Free grace. Free grace. Grace. Nothing in the least part being of man. All is totally of God. What part of salvation is of man rather than of God? Not the least. Not the least part. Salvation is of God. I think of when John the Apostle writes the prologue of his gospel. And indeed, god receives all who receive christ which were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man but of god john 1 13 a new birth is not of your will we didn't will ourselves to be born of god any more than we willed ourselves and chose our parents when we brought into this world it's a birth sovereignly by God and that birth of course those who possess it you can read first John you have several marks there I think of Matthew Henry Matthew Henry when he was very young of course came under conviction and wanted to know if he was really in the grace of god wanted to know if he was really saved by god's grace so he found the marks <laughs> he found the marks that show one to be born of god you find him in first john for instance and came to the conclusion yes he was but we can't bring that about that's a birth of god in 1 Corinthians 1.30 of him, of God are you in Christ Jesus who God was made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption it is not of him that willeth it is what Jonah said when he recognized he couldn't get himself out of the belly of the great fish and cried out those five words salvation is of the Lord Anything at all that man would try to add by nature. No matter what, no matter how good it is, no matter how it would seem to be good in itself, there's a problem. It comes from a corrupt source. Long ago in the book of Job, can you bring a clean thing out of an unclean? Isaiah, the prophet, in Isaiah 64. We are all as an unclean thing. And all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And we all defade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. The sinner, defiled, dead in sin, self centered. The sinner, finding the lust of his or her flesh to be that which controls them. The sinner. And bondage to sin even though if they do something good it's not good it's dirty it's defiled it comes from a defiled source corrupted at the fountain but such a grace such a grace that saves the ungodly Don't you love Romans 4, 5? God justifies the ungodly. What a wondrous thing. By such a grace that saves the ungodly who not only have absolutely nothing to contribute to their salvation but have no ability to produce anything to contribute to their salvation. They don't have the ability to do so. When Paul writes, For by grace are you saved, he's drawing a conclusion here in Ephesians 2 from what he had been writing. He'd shown that those who are now saved were before just as defiled, just as sinful, just as dead in trespasses and sins, lived just as ungodly as the rest of mankind. So he begins this chapter in the first three verses. And you hath he quickened. That means to make alive. Who were dead in trespasses and sins. The dead man has total inability to do anything whatsoever. Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience but just in them. no, among whom also we all had our conversation, the way we live our lives, in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the mind, of the flesh and of the mind, and were what? By nature. And were by nature the children of wrath, even as others just as defiled just as sinful just as dead and trespasses and sins so who by nature would have had something better in them than that sinner who remains in sin to move them to come to Christ they didn't nothing whatsoever they Also, drank iniquity like water, were defiled from head to foot, were rebels against God and His holy law, had gone out of the way, were lost, guilty, defiled before God. Not only so, couldn't do anything about it, they couldn't change it. They're spiritually dead. Unable to see. You remember the Lord Jesus said to Nicodemus in John 3, that no man can see the kingdom of God unless he's born of God. No man can perceive it. No man can comprehend it. No man can understand it. Why? Well, John or, or Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 14, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Their foolishness unto him, neither can he know them. They are spiritually discerned. That word can in scripture is the word ability. It has no ability. It has to do with ability. Unable to hear. Why? The Son of God, who came from eternity into time, the Son of God, who brought everything into existence, the Son of the living God, stood in the midst of men and declared to them the Word of God. And yet he has to say to some in John 8:43, "Why do you not understand my speech even because you cannot hear my word? No one hears other than naturally audibly through the ear canal." No one hears spiritually, comprehends spiritually. No one sees things in the perceptive proper way. No one hears believingly the Word of God unless God works in them. They're unable to do so. Sin prevents it. It's sin that keeps men from God. The sinner... Are going to be lost because he's unelect. The sinner is going to be lost because he has sinned against the living God. It's God's prerogative to elect and save according as he will. The sinner remains in sin unless God has mercy upon him or her. When the one God saves, they come to realize they stand in need of mercy. Mercy, that's it. God be merciful, propitious to me, the sinner. The one with that heart is the one God has worked in. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we would see that taking place in our day? Men crying out to God for his wondrous mercy. The sinner, by nature, is unable to come to Christ. the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. He fed 5,000 miraculously. A few loaves and fishes put into the hands of his apostles. 5,000, more than 5,000 if you include men, men and, uh, women and children. 5,000 fed in one day. Wow, what an incredible miracle. Did he do that? Yes. He created everything. You think he had the problem? (laughs) No. Feeding 5,000 with a few loaves and fishes. Did they believe him savingly? It's amazing. They saw the miracle. They ate the bread. Oh, yeah, they came to him, but not for him. They came to him the next day because they wanted more free bread. It's not him. They wanted what he could do for them. That's where we are today, I fear, in a lot of so-called Christianity. They didn't come with the heart of Charles Wesley that could cry, Thou, O Christ, art all I want. More than all in thee I find. Thee, Lord. I want thee. One with that heart, that's by God's grace. It's in that context that the Lord Jesus says in John 6 44, No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him. And I will raise him up, the one drawn. I will raise him up at the last day. There's no difference. In God's redeemed, whom he chose, no difference in those than any other sinner of fallen Adam race by nature. Matter of fact, Paul says that in Romans 3, there's no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But there is a difference. There's an incredible, radical difference. And those who are begotten of God, those who truly know the Son of God, those who've been brought by God's grace to know the living God in salvation, there's an incredible difference in them from what they were and from the sinful world. But to use Paul's question to the Corinthians, Who maketh thee to differ from another? Who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? The only difference, and no other, was that God chose and chose to bestow upon them a sovereign and free grace. So you have it in this chapter, verses 4 and 5 over-contrasting the fact that even God's elect, even they were dead in trespasses and sins, even they were no different, just as defiled, just as sinful. What caused the difference? Verses 4 and 5. But God, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he hath loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace you're saved. Sovereign, free grace. Not grace that we add to. Not grace that we do something to bring about. It's God's grace. And that only. Sovereign grace. Grace. Because God bestows it out of His own independent will, alone. Salvation is by God's sovereign will, alone. Without regard to anything in those He saves. Oh, as Paul writes in Romans 5, we had no strength. We didn't have strength to do anything. When we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Free grace. Free. Because we bring nothing of ourselves to obtain it. Nothing. But it cost God dearly. It cost Him dearly. Justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. It cost God His Son. It cost the cross. Sometimes grace is described as God's riches at Christ's expense. The Son of God gave Himself. Had He not come to save sinners, I could never have known Him. Nor could you. Had he not, by a special providence, sent someone with the gospel of the Son of God to you? Had he not opened your heart to the fact of you being a sinner, defiled, worthy of eternal damnation, and yet showed you the cross where, in coming to know the wondrousness of Christ, taking your place, dying for your sins, we find where there is now no condemnation. That's God's grace. And if we ever forget that, the world will get your heart, religion will get your heart. Grace is the unconditional bestowment of the mercy and the love of God upon the objects of His choosing clearly taught in scripture there are those who find these truths disturbing they cannot take them in well if they've truly come to know the lord jesus christ blessed the day when they come to realize they wouldn't know him had not god given them the grace and the faith to know him This divine choosing is never based upon anything that man does. It's out of sovereign grace alone. You remember Elijah? Mount Carmel? The whole nation's apostate. I'm the only one left. God says, I have reserved, I have. Not their will, not their doing, not their works, not because they deserve it. I have reserved to myself 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. Paul draws from that and says, even so then at this present time also there is a remnant. According to the election of grace. When this is understood. There's something else that becomes real. And reality. Who gets the glory for salvation? Who gets glorified for salvation? God only. God only. I think of Paul. He writes to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 1. They've kind of engulfed themselves in a bit of pride. They think they're so smart by Greek philosophy and so forth. They think there's something. sometimes I fit all four of those categories (laughs) I have nothing I would not know him I would not be saved had not God shown sovereign grace and mercy I don't know why That's his will but I praise him thank him for this salvation has nothing to do with my praise which as Paul said to the Ephesians in the first chapter of this epistle it is to the praise of the glory of his grace that we proclaim that is the word of God and we do so without apology this grace what grace This grace even brings as a gift the faith that freely takes it. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Paul effectively removes the possibility of any ground for boasting whatsoever. What's he saying in essence? Even the means by which you receive this grace is of grace itself. Not of yourselves. And this faith. Faith is not an end in itself. It's only the channel. It's the channel through which grace flows. It is the empty hand which receives the grace of grace. Of God, the gift of His grace, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Yeah, Brother Top Lady, nothing in my hand do I bring. Simply to Thy cross do I cling. Rock of ages cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy ribbon side which flowed be of sin a double cure. Save from wrath and make me pure. Grace flows only through the single channel of Jesus Christ crucified. We come to him guilty We are through Him completely acquitted of all guilt. We come to Him as sinners. And through Him we become saints. We come to Him with nothing. And through Him we're given everything. And this wondrous redemption that is in Christ Jesus not even the reason for the grace of God. It is the manifestation of what was in God's heart toward us all along from eternity. As in verses 4 and 5, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace, you're saved. Let us not be guilty of shutting up, though, the kingdom of God against men. Not be guilty of telling them that they're going to have to get themselves in a certain position and get straightened out if they're going to be saved and come to Christ. That they don't have to prepare themselves and amend their former lives and then come to Christ. No one can forsake sin apart from Christ and apart from coming to Him. Salvation is free. Grace is free. Free grace. Christ receiveth sinners. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that Christ receiveth sinners? Repentance and faith are graces that flow to us from Christ. They're not preparations to come to Him. They come through Him, to us. Faith is a singular trust in Christ Himself. A singular trusting Him only. Repentance is the fruit of it. we bring nothing to him everything comes from him all we have comes from him we bring nothing nothing in my hand and the offer of the gospel is still an absolutely free one you can tell anyone if they're thirsting if they're a sinner if they're needy if they're empty, if they transgressed against God, if they truly want forgiveness, you can tell them it's free. It's free. In John seven thirty seven. In the last day of the feast, the Lord Jesus stands and cries and says, "If any man thirst." Let him come unto me and drink. We can hear the great last call of the book of Revelation in Revelation 22:17, the spirit and the bride say, come, and let him that heareth say come, and let him that is athirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. You got a thirsty soul. If you've got a thirsty soul, if you're thirsty for Christ, come. It's free. You can tell anyone. But they've got to know their need. They've got to feel the reality that they've sinned against the living God. And you tell them salvation is free, it's God's gift. Come to Christ. Look to Him and be saved. Come, you bring nothing. Oh, everyone that thirsteth, come without money, without price, free. You come to Christ. You trust Him. You be saved <laughs> wondrously. But you got to know your need. Right? Those who were bitten by serpents in the wilderness in the days of Noah were they told, hey, you've gotten bitten by these awful snakes. Now, once you go get some ointment, if somebody cuts your leg open, and then they get the. The problem out of it. And you didn't wrap that up real tight. You, In other words. Did, did, they, did they first have to bind up their wound? No. Absolutely not. What were they told to do? What were they told? Look upon the brazen serpent lifted up. Look upon that serpent. And you'll be healed. what the Lord Jesus said to Nicodemus, right, in John 3. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life, eternal life. You look to him, crucified for your sins. You're healed. Isn't that wondrous? Isn't that the only place? I think of Spurgeon's conversion in a little Methodist chapel on a snowy night when he kind of went in to get out of the weather. And someone heard there the gospel of the Son of God. And he hears that which burned into his soul and he realized it. And Isaiah, look unto me and be you saved. all the ends of the earth for I am God and there is none else look unto me the woman at the well of Samaria she had five husbands you remember four men but anyway five husbands she had and she was living with a man that wasn't her husband in sin. <coughs> the Lord comes along and asks her some draw, draw some water for him. Her. Well, here's a Jew and there's a rabbi and they don't talk to women. <laughs> she must have been really surprised. Lord begins to talk to her about living water. Where does this living water come from? He says to her in John chapter 4 verse 10, If thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, Give me drink, thou wouldest have asked of him. And he would have given the living water. Isn't that amazing? And I think she did get that living water, and she went into town and she told everybody. <laughs> Saved by one wondrous grace. So what was it he said to her, get straightened out? Get all this stuff, your life right, and then you will come. We'll talk about how you can live eternally, how you can have salvation. No. (laughs) If thou knewest the gift of God, that's him. And who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him. Ask of him, and he would have given thee living water. Does he make it more difficult for anybody else? No. Should we make it hard for men to come to Christ and tell them that they must first turn from sin and straighten themselves out, which they can't turn from, without Him? We tell them to get ready. You've got to meet certain conditions if you're going to come to Christ. God help us. That's not the gospel. We must tell them. We must tell them. Christ came to save sinners. Christ came to save the ungodly. Oh, yes. Yes, you must turn from sin. But as you receive Christ, God's grace enables that. It's a gift as well as faith. Then, all the good that ever comes must then come through the very same grace. The very same grace that first brought us to Christ by the creative hand of our God. As Paul says in verse 10, For we are His workmanship, Created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained, that we should walk in them. All is still to the glory of God, and to the glory of God alone. Just as we were not chosen in holiness, but rather in order that we should be holy, so we were created in Christ Jesus unto good works, not because of them, And like our salvation, even the works that follow our salvation were preordained of God. Removing any basis for self-glory. I can't do a thing without Him. I cannot proclaim His Word without Him. I cannot have the boldness to fear God instead of you without Him. It's all of Him. At no time will any flesh glory in his presence. No flesh. Not at any time. And those works are only brought forth as we continue looking to, trusting in, clinging only to Christ. Never, as we look to ourselves, Matter of fact, we get to looking to ourselves, the Lord will bring us down and make us realize, you can't do anything without me. I don't want to be here without him. I began crying long, long years ago. And I've been almost 50 years doing this, preaching his truth. Lord, if you don't go with me, please don't send me. Wouldn't do a bit of good. It's God who must work. I can't give you new life. I can use the means God uses. I can be that means if God pleases, but I can't give you life. I can't change you. I can't make you walk in holiness. I can't purge your heart from the love of the world. God has to do that. So the Lord Jesus says in John 15, Abide in me, and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Just as our new life in Christ, so it's fruit. It's always only fruit. By Jesus Christ. And Paul says that in Philippians 1.11. The fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ. They're in him. They're by him. Through us. And all who are truly in Christ will bring forth fruit. All who are in him. Some, as the Lord says, thirtyfold. Some sixtyfold. Some hundred hundredfold but let's be always careful that we have the right order. Anything that is placed as a condition to be met in order to come to Christ is a works gospel and perverts the grace of Christ. I love that song. Come, ye sinners, poor, And needy. God's free bounty. Glorify. God help us to be fixed upon our Savior. He is God's salvation. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not, the Son of God, hath not life and that's the word of God that has been proclaimed may he be pleased to bless it to his own glory and to salvation such a salvation that will issue into his glory and to the praise of the glory of his grace